everyone, this is Dr. Eeks. Some of you know me as Dr. Erin Kate Stare. Some of you might call me other things. <laughs> That's okay, it's a free country. Uh, this is another episode of Causes or Cures. Thanks for joining in. Hope you stick around, subscribe, check out some of the other episodes that I have up. Um, today, we're gonna talk about pandemic stuff. I don't think I've done a podcast on here in a while on the pandemic. Some of you know I'm also hosting the Trial Site News podcast on YouTube, and I have been talking more and featuring more guests related to the pandemic. But either way, either way, whether this podcast or that podcast, what I love to do is get a variety of perspectives, right? Like I love perspectives that are in step perfectly with the overarching narrative, but I also like to feature dissenters, you know, dissenters who are experts and credentialed and hear their points of view. Um, because I think it's important for people to be exposed to a variety of different views. Um, I think it helps with their anxiety about the uncertainty, you know, innate to this pandemic. And it just gives them a bigger picture, right? So they can feel better about their health decisions. Um, one thing I think that is very unhealthy is just telling people to shut up or silencing people because I it fuels anxiety, it fuels distrust. Um, anyhow, so today my guest um, is an expert on COVID-19, is a pulmonary and critical care expert and CEO of E7 Health Team. That is Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. Um, he's, he will be joining us from Las Vegas, I believe. And we are going to talk about mostly the impact of the Delta variant. And just to put this in perspective, so because I'm not sure when you're going to listen to this podcast, but where we are now is a few weeks ago, the CDC brought back their indoor face mask recommendation in certain areas where there's a high viral prevalence. Um, they brought it back for the fully vaccinated. It was always there for the unvaccinated. They brought it back for the fully vaccinated. And the reason they did that is because um, after a few outbreak investigations, they realized that, wow, the Delta variant can more easily break through, meaning cause infection in those who are fully vaccinated. But more importantly, the fully vaccinated can transmit. And if they are infected, they might be able to transmit just as much as, you know, an unvaccinated person who's infected. So they said, wow, that's a big revelation. We're bringing back the face mask recommendation, even though we know we know it's going to bother a lot of people, right? Because it sort of seems counterintuitive. Like, what? We have to bring the face mask back? <laughs> so um, I'm going to ask Dr. Bektari about that. What are his thoughts on bringing back the face mask recommendation for the fully vaccinated? Um, does he think they can transmit just as much as the unvaccinated in certain situations? We're going to talk about how infectious Delta is versus how deadly it is. We're going to talk about kids and what parents should do um, when they send their kids back to school this fall, what are his thoughts on um, asking children to wear face masks in schools? Um, we are going to talk about the risks and benefits of vaccinations in various age groups. Um, comorbidities. Who's being hospitalized? Um, are, are they people, do they have comorbidities? What are their ages? Um, are they obese? Are they not? All that matters. Uh, boosters, are boosters in our future? Natural immunity, he's going to touch on that, right? Because we don't talk about natural immunity a lot um, for some reason. But um, natural immunity matters. And how does that play into this equation in our fight against Delta? 
And he's going to also talk about um, if he thinks other variants are, are in our future and how, if, when we're going to get through this pandemic, what will that look like? What will it take? So thank you again to Dr. Bektari, and we are going to connect with him now so you guys can get his perspective. Guys, on the line, we have Dr. Jonathan Bektari. Thank you so much for joining in today. Um, and we're going to talk about the Delta variant, face masks, vaccinated, unvaccinated. But first, um, doctor, I was wondering if you could take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, thank you, Erin. Yeah, uh, my name is Jonathan Bakhtari. I'm the medical director and CEO of E7 Health. Uh, we're a health and wellness company specializing uh, in adult vaccinations. Um, I've also been clinical professor in multiple medical schools and, and have had a background in administrative medicine and uh, also practiced pulmonary and critical care for more than 10 years. So kind of a diverse background. Kind of hit all the spots for, for COVID. <laughs> yeah, kind of pre prepared as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so obviously the Del everybody's kind of talking about the Delta variant. Um, it's here, it's everywhere. The CDC right. just announced recently, I think it was last week, they said the, the fully vaccinated have to go back into their face masks now um, in areas where there's a high prevalence of the virus. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts, you know, what are your thoughts on the Delta variant and what are your thoughts on uh, this decision from the CDC? Well, you know, I think the Delta variant, uh, we have to separate into things we know for sure. And then and speculate on other things. I mean, we, we know for sure it's a very much more contagious variant uh, and has a lot higher viral load, uh, meaning there's you're carrying more viruses around when you're infected, mm -hmm. which means that it's easier to spread. So super infectious. You know, we think with the old variants, a typical person who got infected would infect maybe two and a half other people. Uh, this would be significantly more than that, maybe four or five, six other people, you know, uh, with the older variant, you know, maybe, you know, they used to say if you were within six feet for 15 minutes, you know, the likelihood yeah. of you catching it would be X and Y. Well, whatever that was is significantly more for that same amount of 15 minutes. So that's what we know. Uh, what, what is evolving as we speak is you know whether there are going to be you know significantly higher and higher more breakthrough cases among vaccinated people, and and whether uh, you know people are going to be much sicker with this variant than others because of the higher viral load. So I think that's you know the I know there's preliminary data out, but you know we're really waiting to see what happens. And then to get to your point about masking, I think you know, um, does it make sense for fully vaccinated people in, in certain situations indoors uh, to wear a mask? I think that really depends uh, on the evolving data that we see that whether vaccinated people care, can get infected, can carry the virus and carry it as significant loads. Uh, some of the data is suggesting that anecdotally. Uh, and if that's the direction that it winds up, then then yes, then you know having vaccinated people mask indoors would make sense. But we're, that data is evolving. Yeah, and I, I think too, it's it's hard um, just from like a health messaging standpoint. 
you know, when they told people, um, like everyday people who don't have scientific backgrounds and like, if there's a high rate of transmission in your area. And I, I just thinking like of some of the people I know, you know, who aren't in science, I'm like, they're not going to know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. It's, um, I mean, there are heat maps you can look at by the way, but yeah. you know, it, yeah. here's your hotspot map. <laughs> yeah. Here's your hotspot map. Uh, and you know, before the, like, where's the Delta uh, variant prevalent, but now it's prevalent. It's the prevalent uh, variant in almost everywhere in the U.S. for sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think some of that messaging is not going to be really helpful. I certainly think, you know, if you want to kind of take that message and 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 make it more actionable, I would probably say, you know, if you've been vaccinated and you're at high risk anyway, mm. um, you know, um, you know, consider that before you know before the. Potentially, we'll talk about later, but you know, before the booster thing comes up. But I mean, the, the real question people need to understand is, you know, when you're wearing a mask, are you wearing that mask to protect yourself, right. or are you wearing that mask to protect others? Because if if you're protecting it to protect other, if you're wearing it to protect others, um, then you know you 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 have to understand that, you know, what is your chances of being a breakthrough case and and spreading it to other people and who are you going to be around? Are you going to be around vulnerable people or right. non-vaccinated people? So these are, it's a very complicated decision. Yeah, I agree. It's a very nuanced decision um, because some people did, they got the vaccine. They were, they didn't want to get it, but they're like, you know what, I'm going to get this to protect someone I'm with who might be immunocompromised or can't get the vaccine for whatever reason. Um, right. My, my next question has to do with, um, the concept of fully vaccinated people spreading the Delta variant, um, which which tie, which obviously ties into um, the first question. And I know that there's been uh, reports and outbreak investigations um, recently that that suggest this. And um, I was wondering if you can elaborate on this. And I, I couldn't help to when you mentioned in the first um, when you talked about the first variant only spread it to like two two people, for example, two to three people, that's like the reproductive number, like the, of right. the virus, right. And then this one, I, it just hit me. I was like, well, that's true. If the reproductive number jumps to seven, I mean, that means even if one fully vaccinated person could spread it, right. They could potentially do more damage for lack of better wordage there. But yeah. yeah. What, what do you think yeah. about that? Yeah. You know, that like, I was just, um, you know, discussing uh, about testing earlier that this is why testing and waiting three days to get the results makes no sense with this variant. Uh, For example, yeah. because if, if it's so infectious, like the chicken pox, you know, without a vaccine or something, if it's so infectious, you know, the rapid testing is so important because, you know, old days people wait, wait 24, 48 hours yeah. after their test. And, you know, most people don't quarantine in my experience when, when they've gotten tested and they're waiting for results. So that puts a whole new spin on it when you're looking at the Delta variant, because if you don't quarantine while you're testing uh, and you wait three days, then find out you're positive, uh, you know, the damage has been right. done, you know, where you may have infected seven people already. Um, and along those lines, um... I didn't write this question down, but now that you said testing, and I, and I think your company might do something with testing too. You could correct me if I'm wrong, but what are, what is the best way to make testing like widely available 
um, and, and affordable, you know, for, even for people like for, cause for example, in New York city there, we have the vaccine passports coming, but there's a lot of people who don't want to get the vaccine. There's a lot of people, um, people, you know, historically disadvantaged groups that are not getting the vaccine. And right. I, I do, I think about that too, when you, when they talk about vaccine passports, but is there a way to make test so they could get tested right at the door? Um, yeah, I, I think, I think what we've discovered is you, you can't, at least at this point, have both rapid and cheap. You can have cheap and you can have rapid, but you can't have both. <laughs> uh, because the cheap rapid, if you put them together, at least up until now, the sensitivity specificity of those tests are not that great. Mm. And so when people focus on the cheap, oh, I can get a COVID test for $39 or something, that's probably not, certainly not going to be, be a PCR test. Right. And so uh, I think I think when you put economics on this on the sideline and say, you know, we want rapid, uh, you know, and yes, of course, we want it at the best possible price, but we want rapid, which is the key. Like in, I know in our clinics, you know, we went initially from doing nationwide saliva testing, which took you know three days at the minimum from the time you ordered it got shipped to you by FedEx and it came back so it took you know at least three days uh then we uh then for our clinics we switched to 12 to 24 hours testing because we saw that need um and uh, that's worked out really well and then I think next week we're going to introduce two hour PCR testing so I think that I think that's the direction we need to be going in um and I think when, what I've seen when people focus cheap, 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 then the cheapest tests that comes out are often not the best because yeah. the, you know, the client or whoever wants the cheapest. And so, um, so we want both. We want to do both yeah. if we can. I mean, two hours is, is doable, I think. Um, yeah, it actually takes 30 minutes, but we say two hours just so right. patients are not like calling us at, uh, yeah. you know, at uh, 31 minutes wanting the results, especially if, you know, if there's a lot of volume. So, but yeah, it can be done pretty quickly. And, do you and, that's, avail- and that's available nationwide, the te- technology is there. Oh, that's great. Um, now, do you, I remember when people were getting vaccinated, and this was before last week, when they said stop testing fully vaccinated. Um, because they might have some viral load, but it's not enough to transmit. Uh, what's your take on that now? Again, that literally is evolving by the day because I'm seeing some of the hospitalization rates go up. You know, before it used to be nobody who's vaccinated is among the, the hospitalized. Yeah. Just again, it's not, it's not published data yet, but if you look at local health departments reporting, of how you know it's a very small small percent but they are seeing yeah. more vaccinated people land in the hospital um so uh, you know that my mind on that is changing daily yeah of what i what i think of that i'm waiting to see the first published reports but these sort of anecdotal reports uh suggest that you know the delta variant may be causing a small number of fully vaccinated people to be hospitalized um yeah and that's what i mentioned earlier um when we were chatting uh i'm kind of gathering that from israel too it's hard it's hard to 
get a pic, a bit, get a big picture of what's like what's happening. And it seems like different things are happening in, in every country. Um, mm -hmm. But I, it does seem like the, the rate of hospitalizations um, is definitely high for the higher and for the unvaccinated than vaccinated. But yeah, it's going up. Um, I, my next question is is around that. So I'm, you know, I've always been intrigued by, in, throughout this whole pandemic about how strong an association obviously ages, but also obesity and obesity seems to be a significant factor at any age group. Um, and I think I've read somewhere where it even becomes more significant in younger people. So is there any data at all on the people who are being hospitalized with the Delta variant on age um, and comorbidities? Yeah, I guess you're saying are the breakthrough cases happening more in the high risk groups? I have not seen that data because it's so fresh. Right. Uh, that would be the sheer speculation. But we do know just in the high risk population, uh, the mechanism for why, you know, uh, why they have a harder time with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, you know, if you believe some of the earlier reports that they have upregulated ACE2 receptors and what have you, uh, so it, it just is a more fertile ground for the virus to bind and, and then the immune response to that binding. Uh, so again, those are speculation, but yeah, so if you would, if you believe that with people, you know, with the first strains, you could certainly believe that uh, a breakthrough virus would, yeah, would tend to do more damage in people who had those risk factors. But, uh, you know, it's still, we're dealing with anecdotes, not data. Right, right, right. And, and like you said, it's, it's hard to know. Um, I, I was just hoping maybe you had more, more access to some hidden data yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so. funny. Uh, but I, I do, but they're all still anecdotes. You know, it's interesting. One of my professors in med school taught me something, which I'm sure many of people have heard, and it just kind of it hit hit home with me. And he would say, "The plural of a lot of anecdotes is not data." So, <laughs> that's so true. That, that's, yeah. So if you have a lot of anecdotes put together, it doesn't really create data. So you really want to see that. Anecdotes are powerful, though. They're powerful as um, <laughs> I like just right that sometimes like they'll use an anecdote as a headline. And that right. goes that goes viral, um. right, right, right. But you know, what we do know is the Delta variant has a higher viral load on whoever it infects. Right. And you know, if we know that, we can you know assume that yes, the people at risk factors will probably have a harder time with it. Um, what are your thoughts on kids? Um, I guess kid. I mean, I know kids older than. 12 can get the vaccine kids younger not yet um but in terms of them managing the delta variant getting hospitalized getting sick um and with parents are wondering well if i send my kid back to school does he or she have to wear a mask does he not have to wear a mask yeah um i think i think um i think you know, someone might argue there's no harm in, in people wearing a mask at school, so why not do it? Um, I think the nice thing is we, we are taking the 12-year-olds hopefully out of the equation um, this time around. I mean, last school year, they were part of the equation, but we're taking the 12, 12 to you know 16-year-olds out of the equation now since they can get vaccinated. Um, 
and you know they get they're mandated to get vaccinated for a whole host of things like you know by seventh grade in a lot of states you need your tetanus shot you need to prove all your childhood vaccines so mm. uh, i think adding COVID to you know mandated vaccines for 12 and above i'm not suggesting i'm not promoting or not promoting i'm simply saying it's in line with other vaccine mandates for for school um so if you take them out of the equation then you're left really what are we talking about the six to 12 year olds uh and you know we're just taking pre-k out of this for a second but the six to 12 year olds you know are horribly bad at social distancing and they're you know yeah. and they're bad at properly wearing masks so i don't know how much of this is academics because um in you the know, real world, you mean, yeah. In the, where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't know, um, you know, talking to a six-year-old about making sure the mask is above his nose and tight-fitting, and but take it off and put it back on for eating. And, uh, you know, right. don't go don't go hug your classmate. And, you know, it's um, it can be done. But, it, yeah, so well, that's, yeah, I struggle. I struggle with that. You know, I do, too. And there is... Um there is a whole school of thought on, you know, especially the younger children picking up social cues and, and that kind of thing, um, which, which I do appreciate. What, what, when you, I wanted to, like, you know, there's a lot of resistance um, from parents to getting their kids vaccinated. There's, there's talks about, well, maybe only give them one dose. Um, there's fears of myocarditis. Um, and, and obviously this is not an FDA approved vaccine yet. It yeah. might be soon. So, what like some parents are like no i'm not getting that i'm not giving that to my kid um what like in terms of you know i guess what would, what would you say to like if a parent like that came to your your clinic what would you say to them yeah i mean it's already come up and and what i say to them is even if you look at the myocarditis or whatever that you know other things evolve you know at the, the risk of getting it is still so small uh, that they have to factor that in because what I tell people, even to the parents, I said, you know, have you had knee surgery yourself? You know, have you had uh, your appendix taken out? Have you agreed to have your you know, have general anesthesia for a mm. dental procedure? Or have you agreed to all that? Have you taken a Tylenol recently? Because all of those will have inherent risk. And I'm not sure those risks are any different than even what we're at best saying the risks for a COVID vaccine are. So if you're willing to get a tetanus shot, if you're That's willing, because we'll, we'll, yeah, I mean, the, the, the incidence of, you know, severe complications from general anesthesia are not zero. And, and I don't think they're far away from this myocarditis. And even, you know, taking, you know, a, a ibuprofen or an NSAID, you know, you know, for a month or two, there's yeah. certainly the risk of GI bleeding, renal failure. My point is people take that risk all day, all night, every day. Yeah. Uh, when they have any, even cosmetic procedures, you yeah. know, liposuction and what have you. So I, 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 I think we're applying a new standard to COVID vaccines, which is zero risk and only upside. And um, if that is, if that's the new standard, no one should ever have a medical procedure and no one should ever take any medication. It's, it's a really good point because, you know, when you think about taking an over-the-counter <laughs> ibuprofen, you're not, you're not reading the back of it like, oh my gosh, this can happen to me. But it's really interesting how people um, interpret risk and, and, and react to it. And 
But to that point too, this whole zero risk thing, um, sometimes I think too, people, um, the public health response, like people are going for like zero risk when that's just not reality. Like, I feel like people, there's always going to be a chance that someone's going to get sick and die. Like you're never going to get to zero hospitalizations and zero deaths. I don't know. And that's why, uh, honestly, I thought when um, the CDC paused the J&J vaccine, I thought that did a tremendous amount of harm because the risks were there, but we're not, we're not in the guaranteed business in the medical world. And that was a risk, but it's, you know, but the when benefits outweighed any potential risk. So I guess um, if you're looking for a vaccine with no risk, uh, then you should apply the same standard and pretty much every over-the-counter should be taken off the market. Every antibiotic should be taken off the market. Yeah. If that's the standard, and, and I'm not arguing one way or another, I'm just saying, if we're going to have a standard, you know, when we introduce a new cephalosporin, a new IV antibiotic, it's never with zero risk. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Um, and it might have to do with social media just playing a, a huge role in, in this too, um, in terms of what gets shared and how it's interpreted. Um, yes, that's definitely true. It develops a life of its own. Yeah, it really does. Um, yeah. There's been times I've read something I'm like, wait, is that is that true? And I'm like right. going down the rabbit hole. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, booster shots. Obviously, uh, I think I think Israel is the first country doing it in, in the in the over sixty crowd. Um, but do you yeah, think- Yeah, especially the immunocompromised. Yes, in Israel, yeah, but go ahead. Um, yeah, so so it's interesting because I, I have two questions, I guess, for this one. Do you think boosters are in our future um, and do you think it's gonna be a regular thing? And how um, are we, how do you feel about that when like the rest of the world, this is a global virus and much of the world, much of the world doesn't even have access to these vaccines. Um, and I, I know the World Health Organization kind of came out recently and said, hey, let's hold off on the boosters in these rich countries because all these people over here don't even have access. Um, and I said to myself, well, that kind of makes sense because this is an airborne global virus and how are we supposed to really control it, right? Um, so anyways, what are, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> there is so much to unpack there. I know there uh, is because my brain was just <laughs> going with it and I kept going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's okay. But let me see if I can peel them off one by one. I mean, what you're getting to, by the way, at the end of that was the equity thing. So that's, yeah. that's, 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 so, you know, science doesn't factor into equity per se. You just have the science, then you have the equity considerations, and then you make a decision based on both. So let's separate what the science is, and then we'll talk about equity, because I'm a big believer in equity, uh, but we have to call it for what it is. We're not doing it because of equity. We mm-hmm. can't just say we're not doing it because the science doesn't indicate it. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? I oh, think that, I do. I do, yeah. that, that becomes the tricky part. So yeah, well, let's start off with the science. Everyone should get a booster today. I mean, I mean, for sure. If it was anything else, we'd give the booster. Why not? Because if you look at the fact that we already know some antibody responses are dropping after six months to two of the mRNA vaccines. And we know there's no other than equity issues other than the cost of the vaccine, there certainly would be no downside to giving a third shot. And right now I'd be giving the third shot to see how it does with the Delta variant. Uh, So for sure the science says give the third shot. Now, science is not the only consideration, but 
if if size was the only consideration today, everyone should get a third shot. And not only that, I know some of the vaccine manufacturers are, you know, uh, who are making them or vaccines are already uh, in the process of doing multivalent, if you want to call it, boosters. Like just like with the flu, we have quadrivalent, trivalent. Mm-hmm. Flu shots where it cover multiple strains. In this case, it would cover multiple variants. So if I could snap my finger, um, I know the pharmaceutical companies have the, the multivalent technology available. I would create the multivalent uh, booster and I would give it. So it'd be a booster for the original variant as well as South African. And, and but this is Delta like variant. six months. I mean, that's isn't that kind of short? Like durability-wise? Well, it, it, it may be, or it may be, you know, we haven't had enough boosters. Like, for example, with okay. polio, we, we give five, and then they're, you're good for life. Right. right. I mean, so that the, 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 the physiology of your immune system may be that you need to get a test. Remember, because not only are we, are we boosting, you know, uh, antibody productions, but we're also upregulating uh, the cellular immunity and T cell immunity. So, for whatever reason, certain vaccines need four or five doses to really give you lifetime protection. Yeah. And so we don't we don't know. And, it, and and yes, you may be right. We may need yearly after that, or it may be we just haven't gotten to the third or fourth dose that will give you lifelong immunity. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. That does. That does absolutely. So so yeah, I'm a big fan of. Uh, certainly giving everyone immunocompromised or at high risk of booster today. Uh, I just think there's public, the other public health issue besides the equity thing, which I think you brought up, the other public health issue really is, you know, are we going to take our eye off the ball by diverting time and energy to getting people a booster, whereas there's still a subpopulation that haven't gotten two shots. So, Think of it as if you had limited marketing budget, you know, and you still haven't gotten everyone to buy your first product, then you roll out the second product or version two. So I think part of it is, you know, the CDC kind of, besides the equity aspects, looks at and says, well, you know, we have limited resources and campaign. Uh, Should we be focusing uh, you know, we're at fifty percent. Should we be focusing to try to get sixty percent of the population two shots, or should we work backwards and see what percent of the fifty percent will, will are willing to agree to a third shot? Yeah. Um, and, and and so I think that's really what's driving the not having boosters yet, as well as the equity. Um, that makes sense. What are your thoughts on the nat- natural immunity? I know there's been some research lately that says people who recovered seem to have um, a good response, like long durability. I mean, whether or not that lasts, I guess, but we don't talk about it much though, which I always, (laughs) (laughs) it's become like this taboo issue. I mean, I just remember being in public health school and learning the definition of herd immunity. And I'm like, well, it's always vaccines and natural immunity that, that kind of, and it was always on a continuum because it kind of, right. right someone who might've been immune to last year's strain is needed right. the vaccine, right? So what are your thoughts on that? You know, this is something I've really, funny you should say that. It's another sort of like area that has been perplexing for me because 
you know, you, it's really herd immunity is simply a math game, right? Yes. And, <laughs> and so if you look at, if you really believe a um, hundred, more than a hundred million people in the U.S. have already gotten COVID, let's say you believe that. And we have good data for that because, you know, for every one documented case, there's uh, potentially three or four undocumented cases. Right. And even the CDC in January said they thought there were 83 million infections in the U.S. So that was in January. So can we, you know, all agree that there's probably more than 100 to 130 million infected Americans who've naturally been exposed to the virus? If you believe that, plus you believe that there is 150 million people that have now gotten the vaccine, well, you can't, it's not as simple as adding those two numbers up because a lot right. of people who got infected got the vaccine. Right. So, exactly. so depending on what that number is, you know, we're talking about maybe at least 200 million people maybe who've either gotten the vaccine or who have gotten infected. So if you divide 200 million by 330 million, you know, we're getting close to, you know, 60, 65% of the population having antibodies one way or another, right? Either through a vaccine or through infection. So when it comes to herd immunity, obviously, you know, 60 to 65% is not going to be enough. Um, and it's actually the Delta variant, because it's so contagious, right? makes herd, the whatever number you would have needed for herd immunity with the first variant, <laughs> it's going to make that number. So let's say we thought with the original variant, you needed you know, 75, 80% to get a herd immunity. Well, with a Delta variant, that might be another five, 10% to really get to herd immunity. But those are that's how the math plays in my brain, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, definitely, absolutely. Um, and I, yeah, and I think the Delta is just so contagious. Um, so that kind of leads me into my, I have two more questions. And then, sure. then you can enjoy your Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Um, so the Delta variant is here now. What are your thoughts on another variant being around the corner? I've, I've heard things about Delta Plus. Um, but Or Lambda, yeah. Yeah, Lambda. Um, do you think we will ever like get ahead of this um, in the recent future? In yeah, future? I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, the, like you suggested in one of your comments earlier, you know, only a small percentage of the world has gotten vaccinated, maybe 20%, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, we need that number to be higher because look, where did the Delta variant came, come from? It came from India. Well, why did it come from India? Because they were having, you know, at 400,000 plus cases a day. Uh, and remember, again, I'm a math guy. If you have 400,000 cases a day, in a country, and each of each virus replicates, you know, a billion times in every person. Right. Uh, you just do that multiplication, and you see how many viral replications you have per day versus in a, in a month, and then you say, okay, we have you know trillions of viral viral replications. What are the odds of one of those will have a natural mistake or mutation that will give a survival advantage to the virus? And yeah, 99.999% of the mutations will have no impact or a bad impact. 
but sooner or later you may get a good impact in terms of what the virus considers good and we'll make it you know then you get the delta variant so we got the delta variant from you know parts of asia and uh right. and that's because the virus keeps replicating so it really speaks to that equity thing of right. getting more vaccines to across the world and i think part of it is also you know i think a failure of the Chinese and Russian vaccine to yeah. deliver on what it was supposed to, because yeah. um, I think if 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 we had more effective vaccines from more suppliers and more regions, um, because we can't just have the U.S. or Europe, you know, try to vaccinate you know no. the whole world. Just the logistics of some of these vaccines too. It's mm -hmm. very difficult. Um, yeah, we, if, if, I think we need more countries to, uh, f, you know, um, try to develop technology and and create more, uh, you know, coronavirus vaccines. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I always tell people um, when I'm doing like focus groups and stuff, I'm like, you know, let's not bash the unvaccinated because, you know, like that's kind of like a first world thing to do when there's so many people right. out there who are unvaccinated and do not have the access that, that you have. And um, you don't want that. You don't want this idea of this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated to kind of go viral. Um, yes. So, yeah. Um, so my, my final question is, um, thank you. Well, thank you so much for taking time yeah. out of your day. It was very interesting. Um, I look forward to, to, uh, feedback from my listeners. So if people want to learn more about you and your companies, uh, where can they go? Yeah, we have, uh, you know, E7 Health is our company. Uh, if they want more just information on COVID and related kind of topics, um, you know, uh, I have a website, baktarimd.com. We even have a YouTube channel, BakhtariMD, where we do a lot of similar conversations like we had today. If they want to stay up to date on the pandemic and other healthcare topics, I think both YouTube as well as our website, uh, BakhtariMD.com, they should get plenty of, pl there's a lot of content, plenty of information and updates. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I will um, share those links too in the, in the podcast description so everybody has them. And um, yeah, thank you again. And I'm not sure what state you're in or what time it is. I think it's Pacific time, but. Yes, Pacific time. Yes. <laughs> but um, enjoy the rest of your Friday night. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you again. And really pl a pleasure to have, uh, have uh, to be on your show. I really appreciate Likewise. it. Thank you. Likewise. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to that episode of Causes or Cures. Let me know what you thought. You can hit me up on Twitter. Instagram, even YouTube, Facebook. I'm not on TikTok yet. Nope. I had to cut myself off, right? Like too many apps. I just don't like live our life, our life through a bunch of apps. It's like living life through a filter. So I had to cut myself off somewhere. Um, and that was TikTok. <laughs> um, but I hope you guys share this episode. Um, check out some of the other episodes and subscribe. Please subscribe and review it too. Um, it's um, a little podcast that I started two, two years ago and it's, it's going pretty good now. Um, you know, from my apartment here and hopefully I, I do the best I can with trying to shut out the New York city noise. Um, you know, you can only do so much. If you live in New York city, you know, you can't ever really get it perfectly silent and that's okay. That's okay because perfect is the enemy of good. All right, guys, take care and I'll see you next episode.